The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are the guests' own and do not represent the views, thoughts, and opinions of AIHA. AIHA does not endorse any guest or the entity that they represent. On this episode of Healthier Workplaces, we're joined by guest Jason Coons to discuss some of the leadership lessons from AIHCE 23, and also Andrew Flouter and Nathan Chen, the Best in Show student poster winners. Welcome to another episode of Healthier Workplaces. I'm Bob Krell, founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Media, and your host for this program from AIHA. Stay with us. Meet Alice Hamilton. She was an early pioneer in what we know today as industrial hygiene. Her work had a profound impact on AIHA's earliest members. AIHA's Hamilton Club recognizes organizations that continue her work. These corporate partners use innovation and expertise to shape the future of worker health and safety. Partners receive tiered benefits of access, recognition, contribution, and brand exposure. The Hamilton Club is the center of support and investment between club partners, AIHA, and its members. This is where the future of the profession shines the brightest. For more information, visit AIHA.info slash Hamilton Club. Back here live, or recording live from AIHCE 23 in Phoenix, Arizona for the Healthier Workplaces show. I'm Bob Krell, host and of this show and founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors Magazine. And as always, hey, it's great to see you guys. Um, so we're, this, is our, this is our last session of the day today, and I'm excited to have uh, Jason Cones here to uh, talk. We're going to talk about leadership and some of the things that you've been seeing here at the AIHC uh, event, right? Yeah, that's exactly what we're going to talk about, yeah. specifically the uh, Nexus Lounge, the lessons in leadership that we've been doing the last two days. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I mean, for, first off, um, let, let's come in at 10,000 feet here for people that aren't that familiar with what was going on, you know, with the Nexus. Yeah. So um, first, let me acknowledge, thank you for this opportunity. This is going to be fun, Bob. Um, at a high level, so you said ten thousand feet. So at ten thousand feet, or, you know, you can choose. You can choose the altitude. Okay, perfect. <laughs> about, perfect. About Sounds good. That. We'll aim for about ten thousand, then we'll bring it in a little bit. So, um, the Nexus Lounge lessons in leadership, specifically aimed at students and early career professionals, sponsored by Seven Gen and then the BGC. And so what we did is we took five really impactful professionals, people that have been doing this for many, many years, or some that maybe haven't so much, but some of the more impactful and influential leaders within our profession. And we asked them for 15 minutes, if you could only deliver one lesson in leadership to a group of 50 to 100 students and early career professionals, what would that lesson be? Have it be tangible. Have it be applicable and then kind of, you know, share your own story in it as well, but make sure you give them a tangible takeaway. Sure. And so that's what we've been doing for the last two days. Excellent. So, so there's, so this is the way, the way it's set up. Give, give me a little more elaborate of, of what specific target areas you have because there's different, 
you have it set up in different uh there's different sets of lessons by different categories i'm assuming right the way it's done there's no. actually not it's we, not okay. yeah we, right. we we kept it abstract oh, okay. and and that was as much specificity because within the ih profession it's typically very technical in a lot of data and a lot of specificity and so we just step back and you know if someone were to come forward to you and say hey bob you know you've made a huge impact in our profession and we'd like for you to share a lesson with the next generation of our profession. Number one, I think that's quite an honor. Sure. But then number two, it gives you the space and the autonomy to share what you believe is needed now more than ever so we can equip the next generation to lead moving forward. Sure. So you want to, so you really wanted to give them that flexibility and that latitude to come up with what they thought would be an impactful uh, thing to discuss. Nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that, that makes sense. So um, as, as far as, uh, as far as attendance, up, up there i'm assuming this is fairly well attended because there's there's quite a few students here quite a few younger you know entry-level people at, at this event so so it's it's day two yeah so so what have you seen so far yeah so we had standing room only on day one and then day two not quite standing room only but close and if you look at the speakers i mean we're talking the opening keynote speaker and you got a 15 minute kind of intimate coffee conversation with someone like dr poppy crumb you're going to take advantage of it and she was on day one Certainly. so standing room only for day one nice nice yeah we had the opportunity to sit and again just just i i can just imagine how that was her presentation because we had the opportunity to do a half hour with her after her uh you know her keynote on uh, monday so that was great so i i guess i guess let's let's get in this you know delve into some of the specific lessons that you know that we learned from some speakers up there and yeah. what, what you saw because obviously you had a plethora of great stuff being shared so let's hear about a few yeah so i'm you know i'm the facilitator of these i have that honor and so i'm like taking notes like crazy because i mean like we said dr poppy crumb you've got sabina culligan you've got the current president donna heidel so these are people that they know what they're doing yeah, these are impactful people these are impactful yeah, people yeah. and so you want to listen learn and apply and so i'm going to share a few from dr poppy crumb okay one of the things she said i know my superpowers she said one of her superpowers is I know how to pull together diverse teams and then pull them together and aim at something specific and allow them the space to accomplish it together. And so we asked the attendees after, do you know your superpowers? That's a great question, right? right? Self-reflection, part sure. of leadership, self-reflection, awareness, things like that. And then the other thing she said is it can't just be about talking about something. It's the old adage of don't just talk about it, be about it. This idea that information isn't power knowledge isn't power, right? When you turn information into application and do something with it to make the lives of other human beings, other people better, that is power. And so she really doubled down on that. Don't just talk about it, be about it. Take one thing from this week, today, and go ahead and apply it to make wow. lives better. Yeah, making it actionable is everything, right? Nailed it, there you go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well yeah, yeah talk, talk is easy. Yeah, yeah. Delivering is a whole different story. Well said. So, um. So how about another? Yeah, so Donna Heidel, current AIHA board president. So she talked a lot about this idea that five of the most important words in leadership, people support what they create. So this old adage of command and control and telling people, like it's, it just ain't going to be accepted anymore. Yeah, it, just, right? it, doesn't, it, doesn't sell, it doesn't sell in coaching sports. It doesn't sell in anything anymore. It doesn't. Yeah. Right? The greatest yeah. coaches, instead of telling people, they sit back and ask and so she really referenced that of are you engaging the people who do the work each day or are you making decisions in a silo 
like we're talking about procedures and policies and are you asking the people who do the work for their input so we can come together understanding that if we want engagement people support what they create so we need to engage them for their ideas and insights instead of creating in a silo yeah I mean, that's that's super powerful because it, you're not going to get buy-in you know anymore i mean i don't know if you ever got buy-in even even back in the day right people just went along as they, they followed you know they they, they were used to the more militaristic uh, approach to doing things. Yeah. Uh, but that, yeah, it doesn't sell anymore. It, it doesn't. And I think what you got before that we're now realizing is you got what's called optic compliance. Optic compliance is Bob's in the room, Bob's the boss. So I'm going to do what Bob asked me, excuse me, told yeah. me to do when Bob's in the room. Right. Hey, but as soon as so Bob's it looks like we're doing it. So it looks like we're doing it. Right. Yeah, yeah. As soon as Bob's out the door, it's like, I'm just going to do my thing, you yeah. know? And so, I don't know if it ever flew, but now as much as ever with the new workforce, it's definitely not flying. Right. Yeah. You just don't, you don't have that mindset anymore. Yeah. No. Nailed it. Yeah. Okay. So Dr. Uh, Zi-Ching Zhuang, 30 years of experience in PPE. That's what he does. So this idea of, you know, some people will be like, find a lane, dude, right? Pick a lane, do that. Like he found his lane and he's running down it. And I think that's one of the messages that he shared. It's pick a lane based on your superpowers, back to what Dr. Poppy Crumb said. And then this is so beautiful. He shared this story of, you know, when he started, he was trying to generate engagement and business and get respect and earn trust. Now he said, I get calls from places like Chile and South Africa every single day where they want to engage with me. And so the message there is don't aim to be successful. Aim to be of value. And once you're of value, of course, you're going to, get success sure but this idea of if you bring so much value people around the world will want to come to you and really dr zhuang he's earned that right and it's such a beautiful lesson for each of us to take away yeah and that's super powerful too right when you think about it it's like it, the thought of you know what is success anyway success is being impactful yeah and, and, and having you know having some meaning to what you do right you know that they go together. Yeah, you nailed it. Clearly. I mean, clearly. you nailed it. Yeah, you're taking what I say and you're making it much more concise and impactful, Bob. <laughs> you do a good job <laughs> oh, of summarizing, sure. man. You do a great That's my job. job. You you do... That's what happens when you're a show host. Yeah. Well, you get pretty good at it. Huh? A lot of repetitions. Uh, yeah. Um, and then I need to acknowledge my dear friend, Sabina Culligan. I mean, she is a pioneer in this space. And there's something really specific that she had said about her current role with the BGC. And I don't want to make sure to step over this. So she's the youngest, only black, first black female to chair the BGC. Again, one of the sponsors of this event. And right. she was dropping dimes in the Nexus Lounge. One of them, she said, um, just because the door isn't open doesn't mean you're not supposed to be inside. And so this idea of if you didn't get invited wow. to the meeting, how do you find a way tactfully, strategically, respectfully to make sure that you can get a seat at that table? And then, as little Wayne said, right, one of my favorite poetic philosophers, once you get a seat at the table, you better do something with it. Right. Well, and that, that was one of her themes. Yeah. And, and, and she's like totally on track with that. Um, you know, it's like you can't sometimes you have to create opportunity. You really do. You know, you just selling for what somebody's off. You know, you don't necessarily, especially if you're coming at you're an entry level person, you're not necessarily part of the club. Right. The door just doesn't, doesn't naturally open for you. You've got to find resourceful ways to get yourself in the room and demonstrate that you bring value. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. It's what I heard in there is we have to create the opportunities. And then once we do to demonstrate the value. 
Absolutely. I mean, right? people, you know, it's it, it, the whole concept of, you know, luck in, in your career and everything. It, luck, is, luck is, I think, really uh, more of a determination uh, of what you've done to be prepared. Create Luck, I think, is created. Yeah. A lot, yeah. Of, you know, often. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, something Michael Oakes, one of our speakers, shared today is that his dad always leveraged the 5P process. And his dad was a plumber, right? But he said this applies everywhere. And these are my 5Ps. It's a version of what Michael said. Proper preparation propels prestige performance. And so it is who, isn't it? Yeah, I was yeah. like, ooh, I'm going to write that that's, one down. Yeah, that's good. And it gets back to, okay, the door isn't open. Or maybe it is. But if it's not open, how do we get a seat at the table? And then how do we properly prepare so we can propel performance once we actually get that seat at the table? Right, because the seat at the table, if you don't actually do something with it, is pointless. And actually, you've almost reinforced why you shouldn't have had a seat at the table. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah, think about it, right, right? In that perspective, right? Oh, that's right? good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I, you had mentioned, and I, what I did take away from that is you mentioned doing it respectfully and doing it because you, barging your way through and forcing your way into, you know, into a situation is not going to ingratiate you and and be beneficial for you, you know, force your way in. Yeah. You know, you want to find a way to creatively get in. Yeah. That's beautiful that you said that. Cause I actually asked Sabina, I asked, her, I was like, so what I'm hearing is that sometimes we need to kick the door in and she goes, no, <laughs> she yeah, goes, that's, you need I mean, to be creative and tactful and strategic. Exactly. Kicking the door in does not make you popular in the room. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Well said. And so listen to Sabina, not Jason, and then listen to Bob in that regard. Oh, listen, listen, listen to Sabina more than both of us. You know? <laughs> and I want to build on this because okay. it transitions perfectly into what Kathy Mako said today. She was our first speaker today. What she said is she has this idea of open the door theory. That okay. sometimes the door will kind of magically open. Mm -hmm. And when it does, take the opportunity to step through that door. So it's this idea that sometimes we get luck. Right, or we get an opportunity, but if we don't have the margins in our life to recognize that a door just opened, we might walk or run right past it because in today's world, we're moving so fast because the world is moving so fast, but the magic actually happens in the margins. So how do we have the mindfulness and the margins in our life where when a door does open, we don't have to kick it in and magically kind of opens for us that we recognize that. And so therefore we can step through it and step into it. This is recognizing the opportunity. And, and then again, most or equally as important is to do something with it. There you go. Yeah. yeah, there you go. You nailed it. And then I think you mentioned Dr. Joji, Dr. Georgie Popov. Yep. I think yep. you mentioned him earlier on. I mean, this guy is good, man. Originally from Bulgaria, he has an MS in nuclear science, which I basically asked him if that was rocket science. And he's like, yeah, might as well be. So we did some rocket science okay. today right. with Dr. Popoff. And what he said that was really powerful, he shared a story about how one of his leaders told him, don't bring me a problem without a solution really early in his career. And we've all heard that before. Yeah, and that's huge, right? It's huge and it's dangerous. Okay. Because, let me unpack this, right? Because... If you have this mindset of don't bring me a problem if you don't have a solution, people are going to have a whole lot of problems in your organization that they'll never do what? Bring forward. Right. And so they don't have the solution. So, you, yeah. Okay, and so what you right. do is you create a culture of secrecy instead of a culture of transparency. And the problem with that is you can't fix a secret. And so if we don't create a culture of transparency where I need you to bring me your problems and if you have a solution, please bring that with it. But it's not this idea of only bring me a problem if you have a solution. What that does is that does this in your organization with the problems. 
and you jam them down to the shop floor instead of raising them up to the people that can actually do something about them. And so Dr. Popoff, he said, okay, how do we take a step back and be people that create cultures of transparency and openness so we can collaborate to solve problems? Right, because you don't necessarily need, need to bring the solution. You can, more importantly, is you you uh, bring the, the problem to light and collectively you work together to solve the problem. Nailed it, yeah, okay. nailed it, yep, exactly. And then Melissa Rupert, I mean, she's always fantastic. And something that she did and spoke to is seeing the greatness in others. And it circles back to this Johann van Goethe quote, a German poet, philosopher, and scientist, quite a dynamic guy. He said, if you, and this is gender neutral, of course, see a man as he is, and he will remain that which he is. See a man as he could be, and he will become that which he could be. And so as leaders, as mentors, as sponsors, are we seeing the students and early career professionals as they are? Or are we seeing them as they could be? And if we engage with them for as they could be, as their potential, then they're helping them rise to that. We're helping them rise to that. And so she was so effective in communicating that message. That's our job for them. And it's their job to get around people that see them as they could be. Nice. Clear on that? Yeah. Okay, cool. Very cool. And then this is so powerful because we have to be effective communicators in our profession. It's so hard to take technical information and make it simple. It's really hard totally. to take technical information and make it more technical. Oh, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. That's really easy. Well, yeah, well, that, that's very easy. It's very easy. And so something that she shared, it's called tying down your message. So when you share a message, number one, we have to simplify it. But then number two, the most important words to share, phrase to share after we share a message is the reason I share that with you is because. And so if we take a look, like people are great at storytelling, for example, but if you're telling me a story just to tell me a story, you just wasted my time. Right. Right. And just be frank, in a professional setting, you just kind of just wasted my time. If we share a story and then what we can do, right, is then share the reason I share that with you is I'm going to share with you now some data. And this data, if we understand it, can allow us to keep our workers safe. But once I share this data with you, I'm gonna need you to do something about it because we've uncovered some overexposures within our workplace. So it's like a brief story, but in the most important phrase, the reason I share that with you is because then we have the audience and now we can deliver the technical information because we've earned the right. So Melissa was phenomenal at delivering that message. Excellent. I'm happy to be joined with uh, two guests who uh, won the, uh the student posters. Uh, so we have uh, Andrew Floater and uh, Nathan Chen. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. So I, I guess the first thing is, you know, I'm going to have each of you tell us about your research topics, you know, what inspired you to pursue it, and, you know, and really what inspired you to get into uh, OEHS, you know. Um, so I, I guess I'll pose it to you first, Nathan. Uh, sure. Um, my research topic is. Uh, to assess how much vibration level the groundskeepers received by their hands and arms. And also we evaluate the relevant health effects on their fingers, hands, and arms. So um, it is also, I inspired the topic is because of the first time I came to the Alabama where I started pursuing my PhD program. 
and there are a lot of trees, grass, and forests. And so the groundskeepers is a very big population there. And that's how I started to look at like how, what kind of risk hazards they have. So that's it. Excellent. So I guess I'll pose it uh, over to Andrew now. Yeah, my topic looks at anti-neoplastic drugs in veterinary oncology clinics as a secondary source for um, contamination into home environments or patient environments. So for me specifically, I started working in one of my advisor's labs, Dr. Sylvia Babo, as an undergraduate at the University of Minnesota. And we focus a lot more on toxicology and mass spectrometry. And then when my second advisor, Dr. Susan Arnold at the Exposure Sciences Sustainability Institute approached me, it was like a combination of both fields of this industrial hygiene and analytical chemistry that I've been doing really in tandem, focusing on a population that's really undersampled and there's a potential for a risk that's really not been discovered yet. Excellent. So, uh, so did you guys, uh, is this your first time attending AIHC? Yes. This event? Okay. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this, this is pretty, pretty much the preeminent conference, you know, for the occupational health and safety environment, uh, globally, especially at least in North America. Um, so, so I guess I'm, I'm going to ask each of you uh, expectations, you know, like what, what are your expectations for the event? You know, you obviously had, you know, your, your posters, uh, you know, were, were featured here. Um, but what, what, what are you looking to gain out of the event? I'll, I'll let you go first, Andrew. I'm really excited as it's one of the first industrial hygiene focused conferences that I've been to. My work focuses a lot on mass spectrometry. So the other types of conferences I've attended have been a lot more analytical chemistry focused. So in this event, I'm really excited to learn more about the policy and different types of sampling methods that like NIOSH is posing directly for like my research or specifically with like the USP 800 and the other types of regulations and guidelines that we're going to see and really just learn from here. Excellent. You know, and Nathan? Yeah, I came here uh, because my study is uh, just completed a certain uh, uh, stage and uh, I'm happy to share with my study to uh, IH professionals and the occupational health uh, experts here and make some friends. I'm happy to uh, listen more uh, opinions from different points of views. And uh, I'm interested and excited about uh, to look at other people's studies and uh, look at more new novel instruments in uh, edge conference. So. so are there specific areas that you think, you know, so obviously you've got, you've got the, uh, the educational sessions and the technical sessions. And then of course, then you have this exhibit hall, which is pretty uh, robust, right? A lot, a lot of things is here. Are there any particular things that you, both of you are looking to pick up and I, you, you can just throw it at me one at a time, you know? Um, I think the education sessions are going to be really great. A lot of the other conferences I've been to, it's you just sit down at an education session and you'll have four different presenters like Rapid Fire and they'll just give you a really short presentation about their new mass spectrometry instrument or their new method that they're looking at. Whereas these sessions, they take a little bit more time. They go more in depth on very specific topics and engage you a lot more. So I'm really excited on going to ones that like really pique my interest or are very related to my research and then connecting with others there and then learning from the experts. Yeah, I mean, I think that's critical too because a lot of events, uh, you know, again, not not talking AIHC, but a lot of the events that we attend with Healthy Indoors around, around the country, um, 
they do tend to be very snippety. You know, you really don't get any any deep dive into any sessions, and uh, so I, I can see where that's you know there's, there's a large benefit in being able to have a, a just a deeper discussion. You know, Nathan, any, any follow-ups on that? Yeah, like uh, my research interest is related to exposure assessment of um, air pollutants, noise, and vibration. So I may want to uh, attend more and contact with the experts of this area specific. And also, if I have more time, I'm happy to um, look at more different areas. Winning, you know, winning these uh, poster awards, that's a pretty significant thing for you guys. That you young gentlemen coming up in the in the industry um how, you know how do you think that you know this type of recognition at an event you know procedures event like this how do you, how do you think that's going to help your career professional development i'm really excited about it i'm really grateful and honored to receive this award and i'm really looking forward to all the people who come out to my poster and then i can talk to and form new collaborations with it's always great and it always adds to your resume and it's a great builder for you and to really like emphasize your expertise in your field and all the work that you've been doing and sampling. But I'm really excited for all the potential collaborations or people who learn about my research and then add to it or implement it in different ways into their areas. Yeah, I agree with uh, Andrew like about the um, very excited and very grateful for uh, recognition. It really encouraged me and uh, about what I'm done, and I'm very happy that uh, the uh, groundskeepers' health can be uh, can raise more uh, notification, more notice, and uh, I believe the uh, awards for for me personally will uh, help me uh, get more context to the exposure assessment experts. This is a really good question. Uh, you know, presenting a poster at a conference like this, you know, it's certainly exciting, but it's a challenging experience, I, I would assume. Um, could you each of you share some insights on how you prepared, you know, the process that you, you went through, um, you know, to, to get to ensure that you had a research you know, paper and findings that, that would be something that would be uh, effectively communicated to your audience? I know that's kind of a, that's kind of a long question there, but the reality is, I mean, it is. I can see where it's somewhat daunting, right, to actually yeah. sit down there. Um, and, and again, you both you both gave the basis for why you did it. But again, let's hear a little bit about the insight because I think this will be really uh, beneficial for others, you know, to follow you, you know, looking at your blueprint for success here. I really liked how you framed it because that's something I've talked a lot about with my advisor is making it and coming up and framing your poster like it's a research paper or an article that you're trying to publish. So we ask ourselves, who is the audience that we're presenting and we're talking to? So I'm going to an industrial hygiene conference. And with that, what are the results that I want to display? So I start off with my figures and I pick what figures are going to be my key findings for my poster. And then you kind of work around that and build your story based on that. So as I'm not attending a mass spec conference, I'm not going to focus the majority of my time on that method development and analysis. It's mainly going to be focused on the sampling and the results and the impact that it has on others. So it's really like a combo of who's your audience and what are the key findings you want to take away from your audience. And then like with that being said, we always share our poster with all the authors and the collaborators who are listed on the poster. And it really helps you take a step back and they can point out some of the small details that you missed or different areas that you might want to spend more time or areas where you could remove some text or the overall design. So it's really helpful and I really like taking in that approach. And, and as far as the process, this, this is a fairly long timeline, right, to do this? 
yeah, so it's when I submit my abstract, I start working on my poster. So that's usually like the beginning of March, I would say, when the abstracts were due. And then it's like a month, a month and a half of working on the poster. So Nathan, tell us about your process and you know how, how you, you know put this all together. Yeah, like um, for real, I agree with Andrew. Like I am trying to find my uh, lab mates and uh, my mentor and some uh, IH professionals. I share with my study result to them and try to present my study result and to get their feedbacks. Sometimes there are some points I go into too detail and will misleading the audience. So like I'm trying to uh, uh, revise it after, every time after I um, present my study result and that's I feel like that really helps get the poster better. And I can see how that you know, it's challenging to the extent that, um, you know, you, you do your research, get that together. But then now there's also that live performance effect that, you, you know, you are actually trying to put something where people are going to come and, you know, interact, you know, with, right, with right. How, how you're presenting all that, all that laborious work you, you put into it. But how do you how do you convey that information? Right. So that's that's tricky. Right. Yeah. But obviously, you guys both have a handle on it because here you are. <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> you know? I mean, it's a lot of work sometimes, too. We go through at group meetings, lab group meetings. It's like drilling you on your poster. How are you going to give your talk? Like, what are your key points? Because you can't sit there and walk through your entire poster. It'll take 15 minutes. And that's no one wants to listen to all that. So it's a lot of pointing out the important things that you think are important that are the key takeaways that your audience is going to really resonate with. And it's a lot of practice. Yeah, and, how, and typically, how, like, you mentioned, you know, that obviously you're not going to have 15 minutes. So what, what's your target time that you try to present? You know, that you have to, <laughs> I don't know. that's loaded. I, I mean, it's, it's like, it's not an elevator pitch. You can't do it in 15 no, seconds. You know? It's hard. Uh, a lot of the things that like my advisors really helped is like, we put QR codes on posters now, which is like a short six minute video that people can watch instead and get like a summary that they're looking for. But um, it really depends. I kind of hit on like an introduction, um, the specific type of method I'm using for me, it's mass spectrometry and then like my main results. And I try and keep it under like five minutes. And then if someone wants to go more in depth on like my method or my population of interest, then it's like a more free flowing conversation. But otherwise, it's pretty pared down. Makes sense. So Nathan, uh, similar thing, like how, how what's your typical duration for your poster or presentation? Like how, how do you have it structured? Uh, yeah, like um, of course, like need to discuss discuss with my mentor and also uh, I think it really helped when I talk to IH professionals. I mean, they have, there are definitely certain way they can uh, understand it better. So actually before that, I've uh, made different kinds, type of posters and trying to talk to them. And I, th I think this one is the best <laughs> excellent the feedback so well i mean and, and obviously it, it was it was good because you know it was it was selected so you, you obviously uh you hit you hit the sweet spot both of you obviously so that, that's great many of students aspire you know to excel in their studies and make meaningful contributions in their field um but based on your own journey and both of your journeys and your success, obviously your initial success here, what advice do you have for fellow students interested in pursuing uh, in pursuing a career in OEHS? And uh, are you know are there any strategies that you think you know make sense for 
for students to be looking into, you know, how are they going to advance themselves from, you know, from the academia position and bringing it actually into a, a meaningful career? That was a, a very long question as well. <laughs> like, I, I think like um, as um, industrial hygiene students, it is very hard to stay at the lab and uh, just thinking by myself what kind of risk hazards it will have for that particular uh, occupations. So I think the most important step for me from, from my personal experience is to uh, work into the, that occupational workplace and talk to them. And uh, uh, I, I, to be honest, actually I followed them for, uh, entire working days, day by days for several times and talk to them like so from the uh, experience i really um, know how they work and how their working life looks like and from there from there i that's the most important step i think excellent excellent yeah for me i think it was really nice when my advisors gave me the experience of for the research I'm presenting today is it was based off a pilot project. So I did everything as the lead investigator. So I wrote the pilot project myself. I did the IA cook forms and got that approval. I spent time with the clinical investigation center, working with all the veterinary oncology technicians and the owners and the consent forms. And then I'm the person going into the clinic and doing the sampling and then running the data and getting the results. So on one hand, that really practical in-field sample collection is really great. But also my advisors have really encouraged me to take as many classes as I can as possible, especially because I'm kind of a combination uh, major in focus for my PhD. So it's environmental and occupational epidemiology, but I also have a focus in industrial hygiene and risk assessment. So whether it's taking like a cancer epidemiology class or like a human exposure class or even biostatistical literacy, my advisors really advocate for taking as many classes as you can to really get a broader grasp on what your interests are and then taking those and using them in lab or using them in the field and sample collection, see if they really work out with you and if they're aligned to what you're looking to do. Andrew and Nathan, it's really great to have, have you know, have a chance to speak with you here about uh, about your poster uh, presentations. It was, uh, again, really exciting. I mean, it, it's always fun to speak with people coming up, you know, new people entering the industry and uh, I wish you both continued success in your careers and uh, hopefully we'll see you again soon. Yeah, thank you so much. See you. So that's our show for this week. We'll be back again with another episode of Healthier Workplaces. Until next time, I'm Bob Krell. Stay healthy.